You're listening to Trial Talk, the plastering podcast. The plastering podcast is sponsored by P1, the plasterer's one-stop shop, the UK's largest distributor of plastering and rendering machines, materials and tools. If you're a plasterer listening to this, consider joining our thriving Facebook community, Trial Talk, Plasterers Help Group. And if you need help in your self-employment journey, consider joining our mentoring group. We'll show you how to generate more work, how to price and quote your jobs properly and add systems into your business, freeing up hours of your time. Welcome to the Plastering Podcast, episode six. Today I'm joined by Alan again. And we've also got Alec Air with us, and today we're going to be having a chat all about lime plastering. Um, so when I first set up these podcasts, I sort of put it out to the group, um, what do you want to talk about? And one of the big topics was lime plastering to di- traditional plastering. Um, so that's what we're doing tonight. Um, it's going to be an interactive podcast, guys. Um, we're live, so anybody that's got any questions at all around uh, lime plastering, and this is predominantly aimed at beginners as well, um, just hit the chat, just drop a comment into the chat and Alan and Alec um, will answer any questions that you've got um, around line plastering. Alan, can we sort of kick off uh, with a little bit of an overview on line plastering for absolute beginners? Um, yeah. some, some of the basics and maybe a little bit of the history um, on line plastering. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, okay. So... Yeah, if you are if you are a beginner in this trade, um, you don't want to be going into people's houses with just limited knowledge. You've got to learn really like Alec is doing. He's sort of done his homework. He's he, he knows the ins and outs of the trade, but he's, he's growing experience, um, and that's probably the best way to do it. Um, what I will say is. It's very different to gypsum, it's very different to cement. There's lots and lots of things that can go wrong and you need to spot these things um, as you're progressing. Um, you'll learn by your mistakes, you always do. I, I, I've had a few um, back in the early days, um, especially on cracking. Um, the, the best and typical way from my point of view is to learn the lime cycle. And what we mean by the lime cycle is how the how the lime stone is is uh, goes through its process from being burnt and slaked right through all of the processes it goes through until it, you're ready to use it, and then more importantly, how it cures back to its original state. If you can understand that, put a lot of effort into finding out how it will make your learning very much simpler just touch uh, on the ter- just touching on the terminology there al but burnt yeah. and slate for people yeah. uh, you know for the young modern day gypsum lads the young yeah. lads, what what does that mean when you say we're, burnt, we're, burnt and yeah, slate so we're, we're, we're living we're living now in a in what i call a pre-banked sort of era uh, for convenience um years ago it was um you, although you can you can still buy mature potty as a lime you would slate your own um, and it's over the years it's just got easier and easier the suppliers have jumped on the bag wagon and made it a lot more simpler for you um and it takes all that sort of guesswork uh and processes out of the equation and we're missing the skills gap in that there's a lot of older older guys out there more 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 experienced than me that have that knowledge and have that experience that uh, have all the answers now if you don't sort of understand the lime cycle, you can pick up a book, and that book is going to be like double dutch to you. So spend yeah. time, spend time learning the basics. If you don't quite understand it, like I don't, I don't understand it first or second time. I'll read it again and again until it sinks. If I don't understand what I'm reading from um, a book perspective or an observation perspective, interacting with people that I speak to or on a job or I'm visiting then I will ask and that's what it's all right. about creating that sort of your way of learning some people learn great from a book others can't 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 stand reading so they'll learn from observation um, and on the job experience so you've got to if you're coming into this trade set out your networking who you're going to talk to you know, I can name a lot of people, but I won't, that I turn to 
and I ask because I don't know everything but collectively we all do so I'll pick who I need to choose and learn from um, as well as if you are coming into this race, understand that line cycle. That's the right. It's imperative because it will make your learning of this trade because it's a huge avenue avenue to go down. It's not like picking up a bag of gypsum and knowing in two hours you're done. Um, it's yeah. totally different. Totally. Would you, different. would you agree with that, Alec, as well? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd agree with that. Um, so, so, can we get a bit of a backstory on you, Alec? Because I know that. Um, Alan, like we mentioned on another podcast, Alan sort of took you under his wing early on, didn't he? And showed you, you know, some of the ropes with with the line work. Um, what, what's your story then, mate? With when it comes to plastering, did you start off with the gypsum and then enter into the lime, or did you start off with lime? I, I started off with gypsum. Um, so in college, I did a level one um, because. I had to go to college to do something. Um, it was either that or go to the job centre and find a job. So, um, yeah, fell into plastering that way. So, uh, my tutor, so I did a level one. So, if you do a level one, you don't, that's not an apprenticeship. That's like a sort of, <laughs> what are you doing now? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's um, just a year at college, basically, just in a classroom. Um, so, my tutor, now I didn't know this at the time, but he was a ma he's a master plasterer, um, so he's credited by the Plasters Guild. Um, he, he, he's a solid plasterer, but he does a lot of fibrous, um, and he only teaches. He's a lovely lad. Um, so I learned about lime from him, but only briefly touched on it. <laughs> then I did my apprenticeship, did year, years of plastering, saw a guy with a van that says lime plastering. Um, I asked him about it because I'd heard of it and wanted to know a bit more. Um, I love learning, so yeah, uh, from there I, I kept rolling and learning more. So, yeah. Um, so, uh, he's always posting good work, so I just thought, well, he knows what he's talking about, and then, yeah, some others. Uh, just want to say good, good evening, Josh Plastra, uh, good evening, Danny, good evening, Mark. Uh, Josh has got a question here. He says, where's the best place um, to train to get started? Did, did you say you, you learned a little bit of college from somebody? So, yeah. uh, if you've done your, your level two apprenticeship, um, that's the most important thing you can do as a plasterer, um, do an apprenticeship. Um, from there, I my level three, Charlie Shaw actually uh, sent me this way. Uh, I do it at the Tally Centre. So I'm still going through it now. Um, so I've got to. I've got one last week, which is all fibrous, um, and I have to gather the evidence. So I have to go do the actual work. Um, so I do this in a place called Clandilo, which is near Swansea. Um, just travel there once a week, uh, a week at a time for four weeks total. Um, but you'll want to know quite a bit before you go there. Um, you'll, okay. you'll want to know what questions you can ask. I ask a stupendous amount of questions. They hate me for it, but no, they don't <laughs> hate me. But uh, yeah, it's the best thing you can do. Just learn about it before you do, and then go in knowing what questions to ask. Because it's all good asking questions, but you need to know what questions. So yeah. And what sort of materials was you using, Alec, when you went to do these this training then? Was, did you have like a little booth that you were working on, or what was oh, the training? Oh, so it's, it's just sort of like college. You do like um, a few days in a classroom, a lot of like around the uh, legislation and working listed buildings. Um, that's really important. Um, yeah, you need to be dealing with conservation officers. So you know, a lot of the, not a lot. Of, some of the conservation officers don't necessarily know what they're talking about, but you need to know because. You can land yourself in hot water. It's a three-year prison sentence and an unlimited fine if you do something wrong on a listed building, something that's not. Right. It's got statutory protection, and you need to know the laws around this. Um, right. There should be more people in prison for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we're going to come on to the, the differences 
um, between gypsum and cement-based plasters and, and lime. So Alan might want to answer that one. So, so what, what are the key, for, obviously, again, for people that are new uh, to lime and they don't know anything about lime, what's the yeah. difference between gypsum plaster, for example, and lime plaster, Alan? Yeah, okay. So the key difference is breathability. Um, but for from a fast, that's from the customer's re real point of view. Um, for a um, plasterer's point of view, you probably heard the saying itself, uh, Stuart, over the years that uh, you never hang a heavier man on a, a lighter man's back. So some of these are buildings, the fabric is soft, so that entitles uh, soft plaster work. Um, you, you don't want to go putting rock hard cement and gypsum um, on, on, on soft fabric. Uh, one, you suffocate it, and two, um, you need to be progressively weaker in your mixes and not richer in your mixes um, as you come out to the final finish. So, yeah, this, I mean, you know, it's been going on for years, the wrong type of plaster going on walls, um, you know. Um, there's, uh, there's not enough, the skills gap is huge over the years, especially from like, I wouldn't say from the 80s, because there's still great people I speak to from the 80s, but certainly from the 90s, where everything is money-orientated and the skills gap has got bigger and bigger because of that, and we're sort of <sighs> buttering our own toast that we like to eat, if you like, and we're putting that yeah. covering on, on, on buildings and walls that, that shouldn't really be on. It really shouldn't. So the knowledge is gone. Um, unless you are um, all aspects type of guy like myself, I don't know um, as much as the lime guys. I really don't. But um, I, I like to think that uh, I'm up there with them hopefully soon. But yeah, it's you. it, it, it benefits it cleaner. Um, it's breathability. It's very high porous. Um, I want to ask so about clipping problems. Any damp-related problems will breathe out. Um, but then there's also the the information that we need to get across um, for aftercare and decorating. So there's a lot to learn, and um, you, you can't just pick this this kind of get a game up in sort of a, a course or a week's work with somebody and. A month down the line, you're advertising as lime specialist because it's it ain't going to work for you. Dangerous, yeah, yeah. And um, breathability then. So you're going to be needing to use breathable paints, for example. Yeah. So yeah, lime washes, uh, breathable paints, earth paints. The, the mineral paints is a bit. I don't know. We've got a voice on social media now, aren't we, with the purists on mineral paints uh, and what breathes and what doesn't. But um, yeah, the, the, if you're looking traditionally, lime washes. But then there's the upkeep of that, and the, not only that, it's the amount of coats that go into it to get that final finish, uh, and for that final finish to, especially on exteriors, to work uh, as a shelter coat. Now, the other thing is, if you're dealing with a customer, especially in this day and age, that's got you know a nice house and wants to spend the money on it, then there's a lot of coating that comes in with that as well because. Uh, these customers very sort of everything needs to be. I mean, like today I was late to the table because I was dealing with a customer that uh, we start in Kenilworth on a very old job. That um, four years this has been in the planning to to do this house, and we we're, we're supposed to be starting the beginning of August. Well, I've had to go over and propose another day because we're behind, and it's just like the bottom's falling out of their world. So yes. it's very difficult to manage not only the work, the information, the process of how it supplies, but it's also about managing that customer as well. Right, okay. Um, Danny's got a question for you, Alan. How would you go about re-skimming um, a wall? Um, yes. I'm assuming he means a lime wall yes. with a, with a, a sort of a lime finish. Would it, you call it putty, I suppose? Um, he's, he's asking what the process would be, because obviously we can't use you know, modern-day PVA's bonding agents. So how would you how would you go about um, tackling that job? Yeah, so in the previous video, I think we spoke about suction, suction control and uh, the experience of um, knowing when there's enough water and how thirsty the wall is 
uh, you can't teach that you really can't so you've got to if, if you're using lime putty uh, and I would always say lime putty for skimming is great you can mix it with dry kiln sand you can drink it marble dust and, and a few other little things and you can get it as smooth as gypsum if you want um, some houses uh, and some customers like that um, some people like an exposed aggregate type of finish in the oldie worldie charm sort of countryside areas um, yeah um, so a bit more forgiving <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah you're home earlier doing that finish yeah yeah now, if, um, if, if you're gonna do it use line putty I would say um, you've got to really need to understand uh, the porosity of what you're skimming over with the finishing coat. So, um, yes, you don't use bonding agents. There is a bonding agent out there, which I don't agree with. Uh, I'm not going to name, name it, uh, but but they're selling it on everything they do, and they don't even sell putty. So maybe it's for the non-hydraulic type of rendering. I don't know. Uh, but they're also saying it's for plasterboards as well. But uh, yeah. Can't get my head around that one. Is that the so, uh, silicate primer you're talking about there, Alan? Sorry? Is that the silicate primer you're talking about there? No, I'm talking about um, Barmit's. Can't forget what it's yeah, called. Yeah, it? uh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. B27. Um, in my eyes, it's it might pass as vapor permeable. Um, also, in my eyes, it ain't breathable. It, it might get it passed on a test for vapor permeability. Well, silicon render does that as well. So it's a play on words, I think. Um, so it's basically yeah. water, isn't it? Using water to control suction. Yeah, so Nothing if you're going to be using putty, uh, you need to go back to the traditional routes of installing plaster, and that's controlling the background and controlling whatever you're skimming over. So, uh, a, a, you know, a lot of knowledge goes into the first of these walls and these types of plasters that are on the wall and you've got to understand that not enough water is going to is going to cause you problems in shrinkage and map cracking everywhere and too much is going to hold it off uh, and again that will cause depending on the aggregate you use again too much water will cause it to crack so there's lots of lots of scenarios out there um but yeah you can't pick a walls um the, the damp guys that are out there ruining properties um all they're doing is putting the shield up uh, and tanking. That's the shield. Their work is protected, but what it's doing is infesting the brickwork and sending that into decay behind it. You, you might be all right for 20 years, but the next customer is going to be left with Paris bricks everywhere. So, yeah. Uh, we're talking about line-built properties now, aren't we? Where they're yep. using, using an impervious product yep. to, to cover up a line-built wall. Like yeah. a nine inch solid wall, for example. So, yeah, so, so how would what I there's two groups of lime plasters there's the hydraulic and there's a the non hydraulic. Um, hydraulic has its job in the market, uh, for hard masonry. If you're working on soft masonry with lime mortar joints, and you can tell if it's lime mortar joints, you know, you've got like angular, um, uh, aggregate, and you it the color gives it away. All right. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, because how how can new new plasters, young plasters, how can they how can they identify yeah. when they're working with lime? Like, yeah. So, give any yeah, tips on yeah. that? Like, what does lime plaster look like, for example? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, cement's great. We all know that the bulk of cement that comes into the UK is great. So, um, so if you've got uh, an off-white uh, or or a beige colour. Just think of it as a cream, butter. Okay, soft. Um, the, the age of the house is sort of like a pre-war, so 1914 and before, and a little bit after, um, we'll have lime um, as built uh, a standard. Uh, the cement bulks of houses sort of came in sort of like the 20s and 30s. Uh, and we've sort of continued through there because it's been a vast improvement on drying times and quickness and all that rubbish. Uh, so I'm talking about Victorian, late Victorian, Georgian, and anything prior to that, Tudors, Elizabethan, they're all out there getting covered in cement. So if you are under the impression that you turn up to a job and you're unsure, get a little, although it's a bit of a naive test and not a proper test, 
splash some white vinegar on there and if it fizzes you've got wine. Now it's not to say that cement doesn't fizz with wine, there is some sort of scenarios it does um, but it's a good starting point to understand you've got a reaction, you've got wine. Okay. And, and um, in, in terms of like talking to the customer about this, because I think, um, like you said, a lot of spreads will go in with and spread pink over everything. Yeah. Do you think that's? A, do you think a lot of that is to do with the homeowners aren't really clued up or yeah. necessarily bothered and concerned about you know being sympathetic with the building? They just want to get their room ready for paint, and they're not really you know asked with it. So is it is it? Do you find it's hard to try and convince them to use lime? when they can go and buy a, a bag of multi-finish. Yeah. Now, in certain some in certain areas, especially on the upstairs, um, that, that's, not uh, that's not subjected to damp and stuff like that, it can work. It can work. Um, in the early days, I've done it and it's still okay. Uh, but the very old houses, you can't be doing this. Um, you, the, the customers, we're on social media now. There's all groups out there for old housing owners that they they want to do the best by you know what's right for the building. So they we've, we've got a voice now that um, and there seems to be this lime revival going on of um, uh, the lime the lime manufacturers getting in on it as well as you know producing quite an easy uh, product that's right for the building. And they're having a go. I know that they're not doing it as good as they should, but um, it is making it easier unless you are a purist um, and slake your own and stuff like that and get into the, the, the chemical structure of everything and working out uh, all your ratios and what happens and why it happens. But th that skills gap is, and the knowledge gap is becoming like that, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think that's the draw to this market now, where people think some good money. A few quid, yeah. Yeah. What about you, Alec? How do you target, how are you finding lime jobs? Are you relying on like lime specialists, like builders, people that are doing heritage work, restoration work, or are you like marketing to find your own lime work? I don't get recommends off builders. They all want to push the easiest, cheapest option. I'm purely, so I use Google Ads and Okay. I used to, I, I was on Checker Trade, but Google Ads is the only real way, either that or word of mouth. But a lot of customers are, if if I get to a job and I see it's like pre-1919, soft break, um, and just to be clear, you can use Lime on freeze block, whatever, it it doesn't matter. Uh, it's just a binder, an aggregate, a mortar at the yeah. end of the day. But um, yeah, pre-1919, I'll always say, look, this should be Lime. That, that's what I do and yeah um, I'll explain the benefits but I will always say look it does cost more it's worth it um, but I also bear in mind if it's a young couple who it's all it's got cement pointing it's all been painted bloody architect on the ceiling I'm going to say to them look if you're going to move out in two years time don't bother do you, do you know what I mean I'm not there to waste people's time and money um, yeah, but I'll always put you have to get the paint off as well, wouldn't you? If you were going to go down that road, exactly. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of time, you know yourself, like all of you, you, you go to a job and you might see lime walls, but they've been patched with gypsum. Um, you know, are you going to then go scrape out those patches? You're not going to bother, let's be honest. Um, and it'll come down to budget, it? It'll come yeah. down to budget, I suppose, and weighing up the, the time. The extra time it's going to take plus the extra material costs so unless exactly. they're unless they're forced to do it or they've you know they've got um unless they like lime for example if you've got a one-of-a-kind like you were saying alan elizabethan period building um yeah you, you you're gonna push what's right with it and um, to be honest i i'll even say with run-of-the-mill terrace houses you know built in the early 1900s late 1800s you know it should be lime but it you know the dime a dozen is not necessarily significant historically um but you know you as a plaster you should always push the as any as a human being you should always do the right thing but ultimately you're providing a service you're a plasterer you know just yeah give we, us a we, choice we, we wouldn't win any jobs would we 
um, if we sort of said, right, you're not going to have lime, I'll, I'll have to leave it. And so we're offering yeah, time. Yeah, we'll to touch on that for a minute. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of winning the job, once you're sort of in this trade, um, you, you, you are called upon for that service. I mean, I separate them all, really, that I run. Um, and, yeah, there's, you know, I'm not turning up to a Georgian mansion or uh, a Tudor build uh, because I do multi-finish. Um, they're, they're calling me because uh, I'm a specialist in that area. You know what I mean? So it's not yeah. wasted trip. I, I think that if I was to call, if I was to be called from um, a 1900 terrorist, like, I mean, Alec was saying 1919, it is a crossover period, but, you know, there's still cement renders in those houses done sort of yeah. like in the 30s yeah. they're still on the wall still solid um with hair um and that's another benefit you see we, you know every job has its own scenario and you you, you know really it does need life but you sometimes you can get away with six one oh. cement. yeah yeah it will still breathe slightly it is a soft fit of yeah. the soft set um and, is it softer than an HL 3.5? I think it could be uh, in terms of breathability. But um, yeah, so the, there's different scenarios and decision making that you, you, you that plays a part in these. If I'm getting called out to a terrace that was that was done, and uh, and I see a bit of line pointing and this that, and the other, but bricks are rock solid, you know. It's not like a Tudor soft. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there is an option for floating set for that. Um, so, yeah, horses for courses, but we can manipulate it in some way, in some ways. Yes. Yeah. Can I so, just say, yeah, go on, I definitely don't be putting multi-finish on a timber frame 1600 building. <laughs> do not do that. Please do not do that. That is not what I'm saying, just to be clear. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think, I think what, I, what Alan's saying is, is market yourself as a market yourself as a lime specialist rather than yeah, trying to yeah, convince. I agree with that. Rather than yeah. trying to convince people to have lime, market yourself as a lime specialist. Learn yeah. your learn your craft, and the customer and you'll attract the right customers that need that, that are looking because ultimately the responsibility is on the homeowner, isn't it? Yeah, and, and sure. us. But I, they, I now the only sell myself as a lime plasterer. Um, now, I, I've got lots of customers from years back who know me. I'm not going to say, no, I'm only doing line work. You know, just like, like you're saying, target your audience and then you, you get what you get and, yeah, do with it what you will. So, um, let's say someone's chucked sand and cement over a soft, a soft line built um, building. What are some of the issues um, that are going to arise years down the line from doing that? Because obviously the whole the whole idea is you put, like a, uh, back in the day, they'd put a semi-flexible, I imagine like a chalk, a chalk lime with a load of animal hair in it. So that if there are timbers in that building and, it, you know, it's a bit soft, it can move about. So if someone's put, um, you know, a sand and cement on there, of course it cracks. The rain gets behind them cracks. Um, and then there's a world of damp happening on the inside. So it's a case of, I mean, this this podcast today, um, hopefully is going to help some of the new spreads to sort of, you know, they might question what they're doing when they're working in older properties, you know? So, yeah, so on that, on that oh, go on. sorry. Go on, Alec. Go on, Alec. So, on, on that scenario, the obvious fault is the cracks, but that's not the only fault. So, you need to remember, like, this isn't directed at you two, this is like as a general thing. As a person, you need to remember there is water vapor all around us, it is a gas. Yeah. It, it is water vapor so it is not just rainwater coming in through that gap you've got if, if you have a shower all that steam is just a lot of water vapor so it exists and that is moisture and that will travel through masonry through timber through plaster and it will not travel through sand and cement or gypsum so that's what, another cause of dampness so that's something to bear in mind Black spot mould. Yeah, condensation is a big issue yeah, now. Yeah. So. Uh, James Doyle says that he paid for some training in Lyme and it turns out they only want to uh, push the pre-bagged products and no real knowledge was gained 
I've currently yeah. got a bucket of NHL 2 line putty. Hold on. And he plans on turning... Uh, what's he saying? Plan on turning some into Venetian. Oh, okay, so he's going to use it on some Venetian. Yeah. Um, yeah, you guys got any experience with that sort of stuff? Yeah. Um, I would say, yeah, um, if you're going to do a training course, it just gives you the insights. It's not the real world. It's like at any training course. Depends where you go as well, isn't it? Yeah, it, it doesn't matter if it's a, a one-week plastering course. It doesn't matter if it's a one-week line course, float and set course, clay, wattle and daub. It's not the real world. It will give you an insight. That's all it does. In terms of pushing material, I agree with James. Um, they're a business at the end of the day. They want to capture your sales of pushing their product. And I said to Alex um, the other day, always look um, as a spectator from above on what's going on. Don't get sucked in to all these types of Lyme uh, courses and Lyme and say, you know, this is the way and the only way. It really isn't. Um, you've got to think they've got a structured business that they're pushing in terms of training. And they, they want your sales at the end of the day, don't they? Yeah. Um, so on pre-bag stuff, because I know how you do use some pre-bag stuff. And, uh, I'll use 3.5, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, Glenn Daly's uh, got a question. He's asking on VPI. Um, okay. What's your thoughts on VPI? Um, yeah, as a modern 3.5, it works. Um, I always use it um, uh, for, for hard masonry um, that doesn't really need to breathe. I always ask the questions on, is the house damp? Um, and stuff like that and, and, and make my own decision on what's right for the building and if, it, if I do believe it needs to go non-hydraulic I will um, but more importantly um, I mean it's it, it needs to I leave it bare unless I want to line wash it because I leave an open finish on it um, I, I don't you know the trowel it's closed um, in terms of uh, dispersing water um, we've done loads of tests and it, 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 it dries out very quick. It's so porous. So um, for VPI, yes, I use a fair bit of it on modern. Uh, what I class as modern is some of these buildings have been chopped and changed so much that mm. um, it'll work on it. I'll make my own decision on it. Uh, what, I'll, ask, I'll quiz them what, what's happened on the internal. Nine times out of ten, they've got... <laughs> cavity wall or some sort of membrane going on in there and and, and yeah. shielding their work that they put in so like i say horses for courses i wouldn't go putting it on um um buildings that really do need to breathe um that have got breathing problems and damp problems and it's not going to suck you it's going to bite you in the bum that one Yep. Um, Marcus Barron says, we've all done loads of reskims on line walls. Um, more often than not, the walls don't have breathable, breathable paint like we touched on yeah, earlier. Yeah. So how are we expected to reskim them? Yeah, I mean, I work in old houses, as you know, and most of the time the customer will take the wallpaper off and it's like a bloody patchwork quilt. You've got, you know, big areas of where they've put sand and cement in in the 70s. They'll have some one coat DIY plaster over there from B&Q have a patch of gypsum there and it's like yeah. Alex said like you, you then start getting the hammer and bolster out and and starting from the, the, the beginning um I, I think sometimes you've got to I mean I think sometimes you really do have to drum into and again this is about managing your customer um in um in in especially on the hardness of materials uh what's good and what's not bad um I mean like I said earlier some some houses you do get away with it uh, and you can manipulate cement and gypsum to work um, but it just depends on the type of building um, I certainly won't be putting uh, 3.5 or a VPI premix 3.5 on very old houses um, I wouldn't be putting it on internally I'm a footy man internally um, so everything I do internally is is, is my going to is footy work yeah um, what about what about middle ground, Alan? Like using, um, for example, okay, you're not going to take it all back to brick, but you could say, look, I'll, I'll put some high impact finish on. You know, the limelight. Yeah, um, I don't skin. think you put, you're not really, you're not really um, 
uh, moving forward uh, with it, you, you know, if if you want breathability um, and softer material on softer masonry, you got to take it back to back to the beginning and do it properly. Right. Yeah. Okay. Can I just touch on a few of these? Yeah, go for it. Um, so, as far as I'm aware, high impact finish is lime and cement and an aggregate, yeah. isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah. So it's actually so, cement based. Uh, well. Cement is just lime burnt at a higher temperature, and the clinker taken and broken down into cement. So yeah, um, yeah, because it's. I think it, I think we're under the impression it's breathable, aren't we? When the people are using it on. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, the, no, I'm, I'm going to call that a misconception that it's breathable. It certainly yeah. isn't. Um, yeah. VPI lime as well. Um, with all these NHLs, make sure you're phoning up and asking what's in it, not just aggregate not just binder they also have additives in so as far as i'm aware the bpi has water and trainers and um a few other chemicals now i don't know whether that affects the breathability i can't imagine it does um otherwise i can't see why they'd be selling it as a hydraulic line but again with all these products do your research use yeah. them like as you will like like alan's saying he's using them on houses where as extensions to cavity walls things like that not like a bloody timber frame building or something like that and um, it's all things to factor in um, yeah yeah i think it what makes it difficult as well is that it's all concealed like the existing plaster is often concealed with paint and, and wallpaper so if, if you're getting a, a mortgage survey that they'll tell you you know your window gaskets are shot um you need this you need that but they're not going to say by the way this really needs to be lime plaster are they but that's, no. I suppose, what that's what really needs to happen, I'll isn't tell it? Tell you what they do, yeah. buddy. Say we want a 25-year damp-proofing certificate, and yeah. that's, <laughs> that's a bugbear for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe I shouldn't say this. I do not trust surveys. I no. just, I think they're a load of nonsense. Like, not all of them, but so, and they are worth getting because they will tell you of other problems. Um, you know, if you've got subsidence or something like that. You know, you want to know. You, you, really, you should be looking for other telltale signs like cracking um, across your rooms, things like that. But yeah, for things like lime, you, you sort of, you, I don't know, I can't think of the phrase for it, but it's pot lock. You're, like, um, you're on specialists, aren't you, to identify it? Yeah, but it's all about educating homeowners, really. I think. Yeah. On this course, they, so, uh, the tutor suggested for a list of buildings, but I think this is a good thing for builders in general, about how to look after your building, um, how to deal with it, and you know, understanding things like condensation, how mold, uh, black mold happens, how yeah. you know, ventilation, why it's important, things like this. I, I think these are really... We're sort of living in a world where problems need eradicating and in this world especially in the live world you're never going to eradicate problems it's about managing it what's right for the building and the and the, and the fabric uh, of the building and how it needs to operate we're bringing sort of um new uh, i call it new comforts and new comfort and living into old houses and we're bringing all this modern day technology in and that again coupled with i mean that does that does uh, um you know, cause problems and modern day living in old buildings, but they like it to be what's called eradicated. They don't want to deal with it or maintain it. Um, mm -hmm. They just want to live in an old building surrounded by an 80 grand kitchen for their wine parties. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> what it is. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult trade, this trade. It really is. And, um, you know, managing it sometimes can be hard. Uh, Joel Cook's on. Good evening, Joel Cook. He's asking, what type of mixer do you guys use for mixing the base coats? And what's the build-up? I'm, I'm guessing he's talking uh, external line render. Oh. Yeah, yeah. so the, the generic mix is two and a half to one, um, unless you're using a putty. You always use like um, a um, coarser aggregate, like everything, as you come out, you, you want um, your, your bigger aggregate to the back. Uh, and as you come out, the, um, the, the finer finishing coats are done with uh, finer aggregates. Um, there's, if you're doing your own mixing, 
you would uh, uh, knowledge of aggregates is really important so you've got to know um, that you know why angular and and round uh, are important and what the benefits of those two are um, and more importantly the mix of those aggregates from sort of six mil down to dust and why we use them um, and um, yeah that's basically it. it's, it's similar to like all plastering uh, what I will say is if you're using like well, again in, with, throughout plastering in the world if you're using a fine aggregate and you want to get 10 mil thick it's going to crack on you if you're using a fine aggregate at sort of one two mil finishing coats like marble dust or dry kiln um, it's not going to crack on you. So horses for courses, you've got to learn the info uh, and why why we use um, these types of ratios and why we use certain types of aggregates and the importance of uh, consolidating all this into its state at the end that you know is is uh, just, for purpose. I'd like to add to this actually. So with plaster, any mortar, cement gypsum, lime, clay, they're all binders. Um, the aggregate is doing all the work. These are, it's the most important part. Um, binders just a glue, really. So, yeah, um, the aggregate is doing the job. So, Alan's yeah. absolutely right. Um, good information on this is the Tawi Centre where I'm doing my level three. Tom Duxbury, he's got great videos on this. Um, he's got two half an hour videos and full of great information yeah. what's his name Tom Duxbury can you send me that can you send me that can you yeah 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 have a look at that. Uh, worth mentioning guys as well lime burns yeah um, is it a, like so the PPE is it a case of uh, marigolds and goggles have you guys ever had any issues with this lime burns uh, no, not on lime. I've had a couple of bad ones on temp uh, on um, uh, cement um, last winter uh, when we forced the pH level higher. Um, I've got a couple of nasty burns on my fingers, but not on lime. Uh, generally, it's quite. If you're using putty, you need these. Um, um, make sure you got the milk in the van uh, and eye wash to neutralise it. Um, PPE, yeah, so white vinegar will clean your hands at the end of the day. Um, always keep that in your, in your van. Um, yeah, there's, um, if you're going to burn it, there's an exo exothermic reaction takes place. So if you're, if you're burning limestone, uh, slaking limestone in a mixer from whether it be powder or, or aggregate, um, it's quite a violent reaction. So you need, you know, you need to be careful of that. You don't want to be, Flinging that round with a mega mixer up the walls because it's gonna be yeah, it's, yeah. It's quite hot when it gets going. I mean, so to the gypsum boys, we're quite spoilt really today, aren't we? Because we can knock up a bag of backing coat and within an hour or an hour and a half, it's ready to skim. Yeah, um, we skim it in two hours. We're out the road, been paid onto the next yeah. job. How do you guys find? managing um set times and the, the delays so you've got an old damp cottage you've put a scratch coat on now you've got to leave it three days before you can put your float coat on then you've got to wait another week or whatever before you put your putty on is it a case like because i always think how do these lime lads manage their diaries it must be an absolute logistical nightmare probably, <laughs> probably the biggest uh, my messenger it, it's probably the biggest question that gets answered because the guys uh, are tackling the line jobs and they've not really got much experience and I know I'll answer the question so yeah it's all about experience um, you know I get I get guys phoning me or texting me at 8 o'clock at night with you know wet putty just go home lads you know yeah come back to it tomorrow um, and that's the sort of world we, you know we're working in so um, it takes experience and knowledge unfortunately i've had a few late days on the on the on the line but if you're using putty it's a you know it's not a hydraulic set through through activated it with water it's a carbonated process that um that's like air drying so you need to know humidity you need to know yeah. the amount of water that's in the uh in the brickwork already all these things go against you so you can predict that you can go home at eight o'clock, but I would have been at home at five. Yeah. But some of these lads, they're panicking. Um, 
and it, like I say, it's a big game to get into. It um, is. You need you need a lot of hours behind the trowel and on on a lot of different materials, don't you? Because yeah. like like just to clarify, guys, gypsum's uh, set chemically, limes air dried, like Alan says. Yeah. So it doesn't dry on its own. It has, it has to have sort of the air needs helping hand on it really. And yeah. if you haven't got suction, so if, uh, so if you're doing like a, an old cottage, you, probably the walls ain't too bad because you've got suction on your side and you can work with that. But if you're doing say a lath and plaster ceiling uh, where there's, I imagine there's no suction there, is that well, going to take quite longer? Yeah, we have to wet the lath down. But so right. on that, there's four different types of set. You've got dehydration which is too much suction that's just a failure really um you've got a hydraulic set which uh, cement is 99 percent hydraulic um so what's happening there is there's lots of spikes being formed between the aggregate and the cement across the water so the water actually becomes part of the set that's where cement gets its strength from the water um that's the same with lime so that's a hydraulic set so if you've got an NHL, that's happening. Now, with hydraulic limes, if you've got an NHL 5, that is more hydraulic. So there is some carbonation happening there. So um, it's reacting with the CO2 in the air, forming water. And you need water in the lime to actually allow CO2, uh, the carbonation to happen, um, which it usually gets it from the air. Um, but when it carbonates, it releases more water allowing more to carbonate um, so yeah uh, and then you've got gypsum which sets through water crystallization um, so it forms little crystals um, yeah what science that? there's, there's a lot of science to it then there's a lot of science this is to what it. i like about this kit is it's, <laughs> it, it, it's phenomenal that we have the young blood like this that's brilliant <laughs> we, need, we need more of them we do um yeah ben lockhart says he used to have a lot of uh lime to the cement when they started using it and they found that some of the breathe some of it is still breathable due to the high amounts of lime I'm, i think he's talking about um existing old properties yeah uh, still yeah. So even with cement based it's still breathing because of the amount of lime is, is that what he said covered that before um he said when he was saying a six to one to one that's uh, a weak cement mix I mean, Ben Lockhart knows, but uh, yeah, um, that, that is exactly right. That's what Alan was talking about with the weak cement mix. So, yeah, yeah. It, even nine uh, uh, nine to one to one, yeah, uh, it should be yeah, slightly yeah. breathable. They're both binders, aren't they? They're both a hydraulic binder helping you out. One's helping you out more than the other. One might get you home a bit earlier than the other. Um, but, yeah, it's, like I say, you can manipulate it in some jobs, but not all. Uh, Joel Cook's asking, say if he's got a property that needs a 10mm exterior render system, can you explain what the process would be for that? I don't think, I don't think I've ever put a 10mm line job uh, traditionally put together. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, two 5mm coats, if it can take warrants it, then it'll work. Um, but yeah, uh, no bonding agents, Joel. Um, you need to understand suction control and how you're going to go about it. Um, some of these, some of these uh, houses on very, very soft masonry need hydrating like ten days, one after the other, one after the other, before you even start um, to get that water into into the masonry. Um, so that when you do turn up and you've got no bonding agent to apply helping you out, then um, it's not going to crack on you um, and the carbonation will be held well the suction will be held off enough for the carbonation of the lime to happen um or it's just going to shrink and it eventually will come off right okay um right lads i've got a bit of a giggle for you now because um i was looking at some some of the stuff that was put on trial talk over the last three years when it comes to lime because i've got a clue what any of this terminology is but i wanted to test you two to see if you <laughs> you guys knew what any of this stuff was just just words and terminology um yes. and lingo that that lads are using in there when they're talking about line plastering on the group so the, f the first one is butter coat so does yeah. anyone know what a butter coat is yeah a butter, a butter coat, I mean, it does, it's just not necessarily to, to, um, for the lime trade. 
So a butter coat would be um, a pass wet on wet. So if you're going to go for, uh, I mean, for, for example, cement guys um, throughout the years, say um, uh, wet dash um, is a good example. Uh, some people don't like to uh, wet dash straight onto a dry scratch, so they'll skim a butter coat on and wet dash onto that. Uh, so a butter coat, from from my experience, is 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 wet on wet covering. So you would butter it up first, and then go again with whatever you finishes. Okay, well, I can tell his his book knowledge is coming out now, Alec, isn't it? <laughs> no? I think that's experience talking, mate. Uh, all right then. So what's okay? Quick lime, Alec. What's quick lime? Uh, it's a powder of. Well, it doesn't necessarily need to be a powder. Actually, uh, it can be kibbled. Um, so it's just burnt lime. So it's just limestone as a rock taken into a kiln and burnt. Uh, I can't remember the exact temperatures. I think it's about 900 degrees. Uh, that might be cement. I think it's 900. Um, yeah, and it's just you literally burn a rock. Um, that's it. And then it wow. crumbles into powder or kibble. And then, yeah, that's your quick lime. Okay, Alan, splatter dash. Splatter dash? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, yeah, uh, I, 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 something comes to mind when I think of this, but I, I won't, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I won't so go there. What's the splatter dash? dash? Uh, so, it's, it's, it, I mean, in, in my experience, a splatter dash will either be um, a parge coat of some description that you would um, dash on wet, um, and that will create a key for the next process that you're doing um but also as a as, as a finish as well you can do a splat dash finish with a wet brush with a dash brush um okay. but yeah traditionally it's probably going back to uh, creating a key on the wall because i was thinking like you know the old tyrolene guns or is that something totally yeah i mean it, terminology it's sort of however you uh, in, interpret it doesn't it i mean splat dash to me if I was to splat dash a wall, it's either going to be a finish or to form a key. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just a generic term, isn't it? I just call it a hull. Yeah. A hull. Yeah. A, yeah. Well, he's up north. Harling coat. <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you've got like hydraulic. You've kind of explained that already, haven't you? Yeah. Uh, and hot mix. What's a hot mix? So, hot mix, It's we're coming through to this line revival at the moment where, you know, it seems to be hot lime and quick lime to be the you know the um, the heathens way of doing things. Um, in, from my from my knowledge, um, you know it's although it's newly slaked and you do it yourself, I don't think there's any more benefits in the end product than than than, than buying a, a mature putty and doing it yourself. Is it's adding to the process? It's making you more skilled. We've got a, a hot, hot job coming up, um, but yeah, um, the problem is it's the emperor's new clothes these days seem to get pushed by experts. And although I've got full respect for everybody in this trade, um, some are out for their own gain. So uh, I always say, like I said to Ali, spectate from above and learn it all, and then you, you, you know who then to go and do your learning from. Um, and this this avenue of lime is so expansive that um, you know I cringe. At, I mean, people cringe at my face, but I cringe at, at specialists uh, saying what's wrong for a building when there really isn't just a push for their own gain. So yeah, I always say spectate from above, sit back, and uh, learn the whole job as much as you can. And I've always said to him. Work with as many people as you can. Good advice. You'll soon, you'll, you'll soon pick up. Sorry. Best advice I ever got. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if we've got if we've got a lad now watching, he's bought an old house, um, plastra, line built house, and he's going to have a go at um, replastering the walls, taking them back to brick. What materials would you lads um, advise that he uses then? If it's if it's a, you know, it's like. Um, hit and miss out there isn't it like you've mentioned that some of the lime has cement and like what so, what products would you advise that people go and use that so, so like, like i said internally i'm i'm a traditional putty man internally and my 
my my go-to putty is um, um, uh, bought from Lime Green. Oh, they all stock it. Everybody, uh, there's loads of lime companies up and down, um, and I, I'll buy pure putty. Uh, uh, and I'll choose what aggregates I want to mix with it and for what purposes and ratios. But if you are new to the game and you want to do it uh, in your own house, and I do specify, if you haven't got the knowledge and the experience, don't go into million pound properties or, or close to it uh, because you're going to fail. So there, there is on the market at the moment from the line suppliers. Um, pre-bagged material that they gauge themselves uh, to the right ratios um, that you just uh, run a mixer through it's all slate ready for you it makes it quite convenient um, but again it's they're charging for that convenience money. what about you Alec would you recommend any any materials for people so that I, I agree with Alan um, a potty up for me um, it's the most it's, it's just the most breathable, um, really, so long as it's pure, um, there's no reason not to. Um, but personally, I was in the same position, and I still have walls that need doing, but I've been using it as a test bed for ag every aggregate you can imagine. I've used chalk body. I've used, just try everything, honestly. Yeah. If, you, if you're interested in line work, read as much as you can. Try everything. You'll see how it responds. And you know, there's aggregates that I still want to try, and um, just to see how they respond and respond to suction, how it all works, and yeah, do that if you've got your own house. I mean, unless your missus is going to go mad, in which case, just get it on, get the line point <laughs> up, of course, aggregate. So, Alan, you recommended some books on the last podcast um, for lads that want to get a grip on some fundamentals. Do, do any of those books contain um, knowledge online? I'm guessing they do. Sure. There's um, hot mixes there's, um, and traditional mortars and plasters. Um, that's a good book. can't remember who it's by. Um, maybe maybe I'll, post, I'll post them all again um, when I get a minute. Um, yeah, so if, if you're getting into this trade, understand the line cycle, the importance of that for learning or going forward. If you open some of these books, you're going to read a chapter and go, I don't understand that, I don't understand this, and I don't understand that. Get the fundamental, get fundamentals built first. Um, because I've picked up books before and it's took me a while to understand them, uh, and I didn't learn the line cycle, um, but once you start to... Uh, um, learn from that um, it, everything starts to fall into place and okay and in terms of earning potential I know you mentioned earlier people are trying to make a <laughs> quick book yeah. obviously out of the, oh I want to go and do lime I'll earn more money type of thing yeah. but in your experience is there more earning potential or is it a case of because you're not doing it every single day um, the only lads really earning money in lime are the ones that are you know doing it like I say every single day yeah. Um, what do you think to to that? The earnings. Um, I had to yeah, say I mean, modern day gypsum. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I mean, for three coat work, I'm 150 pounds a square meter. Uh, supply and fit on putty, um, depending on thickness, depending on uh, whether there's features involved or I'm creating something types of corners um you know we're not sticking beads on uh, with staples and all that rubbish um we're, we're, we're creating okay so uh the entry level for internal work will be 150 for me um and that sort of can go up a bit more if it's a lot of you know dubbing out coats to do and stuff like that that, that need you know extra material and extra work and stuff like that but it is a slow process as well. Um, I was going to say, is, it, is the more the, the more money? Is that just because it's obviously taking you longer to do? So it's not so much that. Um, uh, I, 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 it's it's hard to say. I mean, because you know, it's getting to the stage now where you know I can float and set a room in cement cheaper than you boys can dot and dab it in terms of material costs. Um, right, you, you, you're getting it's getting it back that way. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've, 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 uh, we're coming full circle, aren't we? We're, the, material, uh, the material manufacturers have created this need of want and hiking the prices 
where I can go back to float a set of room out in cement work, although it might take me two days, one for the floating, one for the skimming, material costs are so much cheaper, so much cheaper. So yeah, yeah it's, it's coming full circle again. Um, even putty work, um, if you're buying uh, great wash sand um, from the quarry um, and you've got a mix of, uh, you know, you know where to get it from, and you know your good suppliers, um, you're not walking into Wix for it, I'm afraid, um, or being cute. Um, and I, I still swear now I could probably float, I could probably float, I'm just talking the floating coat online, probably cheaper than a can. Material wise, the new boy Dryline and Dot and Dabbing. Strange, yeah. that is mm. Strange. But I'll I'm paid for my knowledge that comes with it, you know? Go I'll on, Yes and no. You're charging more. So I charge more because I've spent thousands, and I mean thousands, on just money alone to learn. And it's a very long process. And let alone the amount, if you count the time I've given up uh, to learn. Uh, in that case, I've probably spent close to 10 grand at least um, in giving up days to go work for people, courses and everything. Um, so I, I'm charging more for my time. But then I've also got a grade two listed building and I'm trying to conserve everything. So I've got wooden beads already there. Um, so that, you know, they've been damaged at the bottom. So I'm cutting tiny amounts of bead, like of, to get, to match up, to marry into this bead. It's taking time. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I'm losing a lot of time to just conserve everything. I don't want to destroy a single piece of this listed building because it's listed um, this is this goes back to what I was saying like it you need to know the laws around what you're doing if you're touching listed work and um, you're there to conserve you're not there to replace unless it needs to be replaced you know you can replace like for like if it needs to be replaced it should be but if it can be saved why not I, I don't see any reason not to and I will be earning less money than I've earned on jobs where I've been skimming. Um, but it's Is that due to just running over, taking a lot longer than you would have anticipated? Exactly, exactly. But yeah. with line work, I only give estimates because for that reason, because I give 110%. There's jobs where I've skimmed something and I might not have polished it, just gone home, and that's been quick and easy. 100 quid or something taking me half an hour an hour but with this work you you have to you have to give it 110 percent now and there's lads out there that don't but that's my they're my values on it that's what i believe so well, like you said you're conserving it's about conservation isn't it you're conserving the property so that exactly. that's the selling point isn't it not just here make your wall look pretty it's you do yeah. do the job once and that's it um you're only they're only paying for it once so i suppose from that point of view you, you can charge a lot more because it's a better product and then you've got all, all the benefits as, on top i i've gone as far as finding the river applying for permission to remove the gravel and silt and use that sand now that's not happened because the customer doesn't want to pay for it and the conservation officer said not necessary um but that's as this is the sort of level i take my work um i'm not saying i'm the best blaster in the world i'm rough as toast <laughs> but the intent is there do you know what i mean i you know that that's the sort of yeah um you need these are the sort of that's the sort of person i think you should be if you're dealing with listed work, you should be trying to either renew with exact like for like exactly what was there or conserving. Yeah. Yeah. So you've yeah. got a sort of compassion for the building and respect for um, how it was built with the materials. Not just yeah. because you have to do it because it's the rules, but because you've got a genuine passion and I suppose a yeah. respect there as well. 100%, yeah. Awesome. Alan, any final thoughts? We're creeping past 8 o'clock now, boys, so I won't take up too much more of your time. <laughs> My eyes are still open. <laughs> We've got a lot of talking. Yeah. Um, final thing from me. Um, yeah, please, please, if you're going to do it, learn it properly. 
there are courses out there. Um, Cornish Lime do a great one uh, for, through Sean Wheatley. Um, there's a few others if you didn't want to travel that far. Um, and create a network from, from the, the types of people to learn from. Um, I, I've got my own little net, network that I consider as the elite. Um, and if I've got a question, I, uh, you know, they're, they're my go-to men. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not GCSE, this thing. It's not, um, there's many variables to this game, lots of them. Um, and uh, stay away from um, the, the, the lawmakers. Uh, these are the people who say, well, that ain't right. It should be done this way, full stop. Keep away from them. Um, sit, sit and view from and learn it all, okay? Good advice, good advice. Could you put a link into the Cornish Lime uh, course, Alan, if you've got one? Um, so, I don't even know how to do a link. Um, I can, I'll, I can I'll dig it. I'll, I'll dig and find it. Um, Cornish Lime, uh, Sean Wheatley, um, he's the master there. He's very, you know, he's 42 years in and he's, uh, um, you know, he's a great guy. I'll find a link. Um, Alec, what was the training course you went on again, pal? Uh, the Tawi Centre, spelled T-Y-W-I, um, and it's in South Wales. Um, there's also Carrington Line, they are just now offering their Heritage uh, Level 3. It's a qualification as well, so really you can take this abroad if you want to. You can get visas to other countries, so if you're interested, it's well worth going down that route. There's also the Carrington Line, I think it's a few months, three month course, um, where you are going and doing the work. That's great if you could afford to take that sort of time off. Um, Is that intensive I'll, I'll be, every single day, Alec? Uh, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but I think so. Um, yeah, and uh, you're essentially paying to go to work for them. But if you're interested, worth the shout. Um, I'll be a little bit more harsh than Alan. I'll say day courses, unless you're going with someone like Sean Wheatley, not worth anything. I, yeah. You can't learn live in a day. It's, no, you're better off going labouring for Alan for a day, aren't you? Yeah, i You know what, that, that is open. one of the best things I've done. Um, and I'd say Alan's probably one of the best I've done it with. So, um, And also, SPAB. Um, I, I don't believe in their ethos necessarily, um, but SPAB's a great one. Building lines for them, there's a few of them. Yeah. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, lads, listen, thank you ever so much for this evening. I really appreciate it on behalf of myself and, and Trial Talk. Guys, I'll put the links um, into this post so you can go and check out these courses. And if you want to get involved in Lime, uh, you can go and check it out. I'm sure Alec and Alan wouldn't mind you um, asking any questions. Maybe you could tag them in um, on this post. Any more questions that you've got if you've missed the podcast. But thank you again, boys. Have a fantastic weekend. Really appreciate uh, you taking the time today. And thank Sorry. you. Take care. Cheers, boys. All the best. Take care, guys. You're listening to Trial Talk, the plastering podcast. The plastering podcast is sponsored by P1, the plasterer's one-stop shop, the UK's largest distributor of plastering and rendering machines, materials, and tools. If you're a plasterer listening to this, consider joining our thriving Facebook community, Trial Talk, Plasterer's Help Group. And if you need help in your self-employment journey, consider joining our mentoring group. We'll show you how to generate more work, how to price and quote your jobs properly and add systems into your business, freeing up hours of your time.